Welcome to Beautifully Vulnerable, a podcast series hosted by Melissa Panero. The purpose of this podcast is to help highly sensitive creative entrepreneurs turn their vulnerabilities into their strengths. Please sit down, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to a new episode of Beautifully Vulnerable. Today I have with me Bailey Opso. Bailey and I met on the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. We went through the whole certification together and we were buddy coaches, which meant that we were coaching each other through the process. We just connected uh, instantly on a, such a deep level. We were both young people, we were both highly sensitive and we've got so much in common. So today I brought her on the show because I think that she has a very similar message to me and she would really give something back to all of you. So hi Bailey. Hi Melissa, thank you for having me on today. Oh, thank you Bailey for being here. How are you feeling? Good, I'm very excited. I, I think this is a very important topic to talk about and I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you. Great, great. So do you want to first give a brief introduction of who you are and what kind of work you do? Yes. So I am a life coach for women who are ready to come home to themselves and really make peace with food and finally feel free in their lives and their bodies. So really, I'm working a lot with women who are highly sensitive, um, lack the confidence in their life, and in their body to really just be who they are. And I think a lot of the women that I work with just need someone to support them in really embracing who they are and letting go of all the struggles that are holding them back. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, So what brought you to wanting to work with the topic of food? Um, Yeah, so the past five years or so, um, or in the past, I, I really struggled with food. I had a disrupted relationship with it, I guess I could say. I really struggled with not eating enough or eating too much, and it was really damaging to my self-esteem, to my self-image, and I really struggled with valuing who I was as a person and not attaching it to the size of my body. That was something that I really struggled with, and I kind of used food as a way to punish myself, so to speak, so it just wasn't a very good relationship, and that's kind of what brought me to coaching in this area, because I think as women especially, there's so much that we can learn from how we're eating and how we can use food as something that it's not meant to be, and I think just really diving deeper into it and seeing how it's affecting our life and our relationship with ourselves can be so interesting. Mm. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I am, I feel like when I'm going through some struggles that I am not allowing myself to fully process, I kind of tend to go to food to get that comfort, that feeling of, oh, um, I'm feeling more loved, more at ease. Do you find that food is connected to our emotions? And if so, how? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think food is no doubt connected to our emotions. I think that there's kind of a link there that's never going to go away. But certainly when someone is struggling with food and they are using it in a negative way, you know, emotionally eating can come into play. And I think a lot of that kind of comes down to the belief that we can't tolerate what's going on in our lives without using food to kind of soothe ourselves or to escape or numb ourselves, so to speak. Um, So I think emotions do come into play in that way, you know, just learning to tolerate what we don't think is tolerable, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how can we learn to identify and understand our emotions better? I think that it really comes down to being very curious and being very open to what's going on and just starting off, just kind of looking for a cause. So I think a lot of times we don't really know what emotions we're having until way after the fact. We don't necessarily recognize what's going on in the moment. And for myself, I think you know, when I do notice some emotion coming on and maybe it's something that I don't like, I, I like to think back to, you know, what, what just happened? What has just happened that's caused me to feel this way? Or who was I talking to? Or what was I thinking about? And really identifying what just occurred. Because I think sometimes that can give some insight into the emotions that we are having. Mm. Okay, and do you feel like um, at some place in your life you were really emotionally disconnected and then you kind of learned how to flow with those emotions? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's definitely something that I used to struggle with, especially, you know, when you link it with food and using that as a tool to kind of numb your emotions I was definitely very disconnected in that way. And I think as the years have gone by, I've been more aware, more open, more curious. And I think in addition to that, just recognizing where in my body I'm feeling something um, like sadness. If I'm feeling sad or I feel like I'm going to start crying, I'll have, you know, kind of the tight throat where it feels like I'm having trouble swallowing or if I'm anxious kind of the butterflies in the stomach, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's great. So can you talk more about that? So we have sadness in our throat and kind of um, anxiety or that, that nervousness in our, in our stomach. And what about the other emotions? Where are they usually placed in the body? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, they can be different, but those, those two are things that I have found kind of universal for a lot of people. I think happiness and joy, at least for me, a lot of times are are in the soul, I like to say, you know, kind of by the heart and the chest for sure. And I don't know, I think anger, at least for me, is is kind of in the stomach along with anxiousness and nervousness and things like that. I feel a lot of times the more negative emotions is where I feel them in my stomach. And that's a lot of times when I either don't feel hungry or I do feel hungry. So I think that sometimes, at least for me, can relate a lot to food again. Yeah, they say that um, our stomach is our second brain, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, we've got we've got to be careful about what we allow in, what we don't allow in, what we accept, what we don't accept. Like uh, it's really a journey of uh, understanding where we come from and knowing where where we want to go. Yes, absolutely. So, um, how can someone better understand their triggers? Yeah, so I think this kind of goes back to even identifying our emotions a little bit as well and just being very open and curious and being willing to look at yourself and and just really seeing what's there. I think a lot of times the triggers can be hiding you know, in the open, we just have to be open and willing to see them. So just really allowing yourself to be present, kind of relax, clear your mind and just kind of see what comes up when you are feeling triggered. I think a lot of times it kind of comes down to that and just being open and curious about what is going on. Mm. What if those triggers um, trigger a sort of emotion like anger that is almost like dominating us. How do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with something that feels even bigger than you? Yeah, I think that can be a hard one. I think recognizing that no emotion can destroy you. I th- I think even saying that out loud kind of sounds like, well, yeah, obviously, but I don't know. I think when you're in the moment, it does feel like something like that, you know, is going to annihilate you or it's going to really bring you to your knees and, and just recognizing that, yes, maybe this is going to be hard for me to get through, but also recognizing that you have everything within you to be able to get through it and just allowing it to go through you and not get stuck in you, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, yes. Do you think it's mostly a, a mental process? Or um, is the body involved in the process as well? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think both. I think at the beginning, a lot of times it can be more mental, at least for me. Just being able to accept the emotions that I am having and allowing them to move through my body and be okay with it. Definitely there is a physical piece, you know, because you are feeling the emotion in different parts of your body and not allowing them to get trapped or stuck there, I think is important. And that kind of, there's a mental piece as well with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm currently kind of walking through my triggers or I don't, I don't even know if walking through is the right way to say it but I'm going through my triggers I'm trying to understand them instead of rejecting them and mm-hmm. every person I encounter daily I kind of try to understand what they're mirroring of me and the, I noticed that the closest the person is to me, like a family member, a partner, a very, very close friend, the more easily I get triggered. So I'm doing mm. this whole kind of work on myself where I kind of try to acknowledge the trigger and sit with, sit with the emotion. And then um, let, it, let, it, let it flow through my body instead of, 
keeping it stuck in my stomach or whatever it is. Like allowing this energy to go, to go, to just leave my body. As it came, it can go, it can leave my body. And mm-hmm. it is scary and it is hard because I think our triggers come from a very, uh, a, a place that is mostly unconscious. So do you believe also that triggers come from our past, our childhood, or or where are these triggers coming from? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. And to be totally honest, I don't know, but I do feel like a lot of times they are coming from past experiences or learned behaviors or things like that. So yeah, definitely, you know, some of, some of that is the childhood for sure, I think there is a piece to it there, but I think a lot of it comes down to how things went in the past and how we analyzed that and kind of internalized it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, because I I also believe that when we are kind of children, whatever happens to us, um, we we really don't have the resources to deal with it in a way that is mm-hmm. kind of healthy and mature because we're children. And so right. we, we develop coping uh, mechanisms, we, de- we develop defense, defense mechanisms that are those of a child and they're often uh, about getting really angry or crying or shutting down or pushing the person away or whatever it is and um, every time we go through that um, that situation that event that triggers this defense mechanism we keep repeating those mechanisms without realizing that now that we're adults we actually do have the inner resources to deal with the situation in a different way but we're still stuck in that place of oh, um, I don't know how to deal with this and I'm going to get really angry. And then after afterwards, I feel ashamed or I feel sad or I feel like I shouldn't have behaved that way. But if we don't mm-hmm. understand that, if we don't understand like why we're behaving in a certain way, how can we allow ourselves to to fully embrace and fully accept who we are? Yeah, I think that that is very complex. You know, I think it's hard to, to kind of recognize those triggers and then almost break free from them as adults, because they are definitely very ingrained in us. I totally agree with that. And I think, like you said, kind of going into survival mode, like, I'm not going to feel this. I don't want to feel this. This is going to destroy me, things like that, or thoughts that you have, I think are definitely there, especially coming from childhood. And I think a lot of times when you believe that the pain that you are going to experience or that you are experiencing is bigger than you are, you're always going to act in a certain way or you're always going to believe that you can be destroyed by your emotions, so to speak. I think, yeah, I think there's kind of definitely like we were just talking about the mental piece that's that's definitely there, and I recognize that in the survival mode, like you were talking about. Yeah, 
Yeah, when you said that when we feel like the pain is bigger than us, that is so such a beautiful insight. Like, is the pain ever gonna be bigger than us? Probably not. Probably it's just our mm. perception. Probably it's just how we decide consciously and mostly unconsciously to receive the energy from that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to perception. Mm. It's, you know, it kind of comes down to how do I perceive this emotion? How do I think this emotion is going to affect me? Things like that, when if you really allowed yourself to feel it, it might be totally different from what you were expecting or what you thought it would be. So I think, yeah, perception is something that's huge in emotions that a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how can a highly sensitive person like you and I and a lot of people that are listening to us move through difficult emotions? Yeah, I think this is a wonderful question. And I really think the only answer is just to allow yourself to be human, you know, to allow yourself to sob, to totally break down, to break open and and just recognize that even when you are doing those things and you are reaching out for support, you are allowing yourself to feel what you are feeling, you'll still notice that at the end of the day, you're alive, that the emotions don't completely destroy you. I think for me, that has kind of been what has gotten me through difficult emotions is just taking things very slowly, taking things day by day, breathing through things, allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling, and then ultimately recognize that I'm okay. You know, maybe I'm not as great as I want to be, but I'm still making it through. Mm, Yes. Yes. We often forget that we're just so lucky to be alive and we're gonna, we're gonna survive and we are gonna live if we allow ourselves to do so. Right. That's big. That's big. We get so um, carried away by, by the big things, but often we forget to remember that the fact that we are breathing is exceptional. The fact that our heartbeat uh, is always there for us, sustain us, is almost a miracle. So how can we be less than... I don't know, then a masterpiece as a, as a human being, we often forget that. And thank you for reminding me that it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easier than we think it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, just being where you are and not judging it, that's really all you kind of need, you know, just feeling what you're feeling, allowing yourself to express what needs to be expressed and just being okay with it all. Is there, has there been any major influence on your inner journey? Any mentor, teacher, book that really impacted you to live a more meaningful and a more authentic life? Um, that is a good question. I'm trying to think. I know this is more food related, but I definitely see it as kind of a relationship with way more than food. Um, Janine Roth, she's a writer for women and and women who are struggling with food and spirituality and things like that. 
I'm actually reading one of her books right now, Women, Food, and God. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, giving you permission to just be who you are and feel what you're feeling without thinking that you need to numb yourself from, from it all. That's kind of her core message, and it certainly has helped me along the way. Um, with emotions, with moving through things and, and recognizing that I'm okay no matter what, that has been huge for me. Mm. There was a word there that I picked up and it was uh, numbing. That you know, you mm. don't need to numb it all. That's fantastic. And that is something um, I'm really exploring through my journey. Like, what, what parts of myself am I numbing? What, what parts of myself am I, not, am I not giving space to, to breathe, to live, to come to, to the surface? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like through your inner journey, you went through an unnumbing process? Yes, I would say absolutely. Because in the past, I I was so scared of emotions. I was so scared of how I thought they were going to make me feel that I definitely numbed everything, um, like with food, with exercise, with kind of withdrawing from everything. And as I have started to kind of peel back the layers and not use food to calm myself, I have definitely gotten more in touch with the emotions that I'm having, with experiences, with how things make me feel, things like that. I think, I don't know, the process has been long, and it's, but it's definitely worth it, I think, to kind of peel back the layers that you have surrounded yourself out of fear, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and when we peel of those layers we're doing it out of love which is the the opposite process that we did for our whole life right mm-hmm. yeah mm, great so what is your perception of food now to compare to what you were having before um i think now for me food is something that i can enjoy again it's something that i can have when I want to not when I feel like it's okay um it's kind of it's a more free relationship now it's something that I don't use to express my emotions it's something that I can get more joy from I can experience more freely for sure so I think that's kind of what it is now for me hmm so why do you think that in our culture in our society um there's this much um i don't know the word like there's so many issues around food is it mm-hmm. because of education because of um uh, i don't know what do you think i think a lot of it comes down to kind of putting shoulds and judgments and black and white thinking on things, you know, if you're telling yourself that you can or cannot have something that's going to affect whether or not you actually want it. You know, if I tell myself I'm not going to have any chocolate, 
maybe that'll work for a while, but then I'm going to want a whole bunch of chocolate and I'm probably going to eat more of it than I would if I would have allowed myself it in the first place. So I think a lot of it kind of comes down to judgments and not allowing ourselves what we really want. And then I do think there's a huge piece too with the emotions and, and using food either as a way to numb yourself or to kind of not live your life fully out of fear of completely accepting your emotions, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, So what are the kind of defense mechanisms that we, we might have that we really should let go of in order to live a better life? So I think there are several, I know we kind of talked about one of them, the going into survival mode, which is, you know, kind of when you're thinking that the pain is going to be bigger than you, and then you're not allowing yourself to kind of feel it. And you think that you're going to get destroyed by it. So I think that's definitely a defense mechanism that we could let go of. And, you know, numbing pain, we were talking about that as well with food, with exercise, with you know, whatever it is for, for individual people, there's so many ways that we can numb ourselves from emotions um, when we think that they're going to be too hard to handle. And then also kind of bolting, you know, getting out of the situation when something gets very emotional or tense or you don't think that you can handle what's going on. You know, you can kind of bolt out of the situation and almost leave your body kind of you know, going into a different state where you don't have to accept what's going on. You can kind of ignore it, which only works for so long until you, you know, you have to feel your feelings eventually. So that's obviously not a good solution as well. But I think those are all kind of some defense mechanisms that we can have in our lives. Absolutely. And this question now just popped up in my mind. Um, in your personal experience, was it more challenging to develop a close relationship to your body or to your mind? I would definitely say my mind. That was, that was harder for me. Um, just because there's so many things going on in your mind with your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings and really learning to be okay with that I found to be harder but definitely more rewarding overall mm, probably our our bodies are an extension of our minds in some mm-hmm. in some way because when we yeah. when we feel a pain like a physical pain whether it is um a headache or a pain in our knee whatever it is there is a there's an emotion, an emotional issue going on behind it. Right. Yeah, and I feel like, as you said, our minds are so complex in understanding how they operate and how, in some way, they dominate us is one of the scariest and greatest things we could ever do. Mm-hmm. I'm going. Um, I'm going through this uh, new learning experience where I'm 
trying to detach from my thoughts. I'm trying to let go of my own self-judgment. I'm trying to watch my thoughts from a distance and kind of say, oh, this this is something that is rising up, but uh, is this necessarily true? Well, if it's not, I can just let go of it and move on to the next thought. Because I guess that so often we hang on to thoughts and beliefs for so long because we don't understand them, we don't see them. Our Mm -hmm. minds can be our greatest enemies, but also our greatest friends. So how can you, how do you help your own clients to develop this closeness to their mind, this positive relationship to their minds? Yeah, I like what you said there about just being non-judgmental with the thoughts that are coming up. That's kind of one of the things that I like to do with my clients as well. And just establishing a non-judgment zone and just allowing things to come up and not judge them. I think that can be a huge key in, in really building a good relationship with yourself and with your mind and with your body. And again, just being very open and honest with yourself and very curious with what is coming up, what emotions are coming up and trying to get to the bottom of why or why is this coming up for me? I think sometimes, you know, when we are out of touch with ourselves and and not really paying attention to what's going on in our head, we we're not in touch with anything. You know, we're kind of either numbing things out or choosing not to look at them. But on the flip side, you know, looking looking at things clearly, being very honest and open, I think that can kind of be the key to having a good relationship with yourself and your mind. And I think that's kind of the key that I like to bring home with clients. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, are there any um, practical things that you do to connect to yourself more? whether it is journaling, yoga, walking, whatever? Yeah, I love walking. Um, I love to get outside and move. That's always been something that has really helped me. Um, Journaling as well. I don't do it quite as often, but that's definitely something that when I do need to get something out, journaling has been huge for me. So I'm definitely an advocate for that. Yeah, so just kind of movement in general and then journaling and talking with people as well has definitely been helpful. Yeah, yeah, those are big for me as well. I am a big advocate for journaling. I've been journaling pretty much every night um, for the past 50 days and I see how much I can own my emotions now. Um much more than when it started like just by putting stuff on paper you kind of allow yourself to empty that monkey mind you kind of Mm -hmm. allow yourself to see those thoughts on paper and understand what makes actually sense and what doesn't and that's so great yeah yeah I totally agree I think that that can be so valuable to really just get out out of your mind and onto paper yeah, yeah. So what what does emotional resilience means for you? Um, I think emotional being emotionally resilient is really all about tuning into your thoughts and your sensations 
and being very compassionate about about it and then also just being able to validate what you're feeling and not judge not judge it I think a lot of a lot of it at least in my experience has been not judging you know just looking at things seeing them for what they are and accepting them without judgment Mm. so how can we learn that so I think a lot of it comes down to you know a big piece is taking care of yourself getting enough sleep moving your body um, eating nutritious foods things like that and then also just being very compassionate towards yourself and being very curious you know, when you, when you're being, or when something is triggering you or you're feeling emotional, just being able to ask yourself, you know, what sensations am I feeling in my body? What thoughts am I having right now? Things like that. And just being very sensitive and caring towards yourself and what's going on. I think that's kind of a big piece as well. And then, like I said, just being able to validate your emotions can really help you be more emotionally resilient. You know, giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling and trying to really understand why you are having the emotion that you're having and just being very non-judgmental about it as well. Yeah, those are my my biggest lessons as well, definitely. Totally support that that belief that we need to allow ourselves just to feel whatever we need to feel. Because if we don't do that, then we are repressing it and we're storing it in our bodies and we don't even know that. And that's um, Mm -hmm. dangerous. That turns into diseases, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Not good. Fantastic. So... um... How would you define vulnerability in three words? Hmm. I guess I would define vulnerability as honesty, truth, and connection. Hmm. Yes, I love it. Uh, This is always like (laughs) one of my last questions and... Um, it's it's amazing to see what people are bringing up, but also, like at the end of the day, it's so similar. Like we we all feel that being vulnerable means being connecting, being open, being honest with who we are. When we're honest with ourselves about who we are, what we want, what we stand for, then we can really be honest with other people, and we can hold that space for other people to be honest and be authentic like we're, mm-hmm. we we can be mirrors we can shine our own light yeah absolutely and i think you know the connection piece i i never used to think that being vulnerable would help me connect with others and now i see that it absolutely can and i think that's so wonderful you know sharing your story, sharing who you are, sharing your struggles can connect you so deeply with other people that it's, it's just amazing. I love that. Yeah. Remember that once we were talking about how your Instagram engagement shifted when you started to share more about your story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Cause it's so good to just tell people what you're going through and like believe that we're all on the same path and 
we all are going through the same struggles and the same heart-opening experiences somehow. And it's good to share. Sharing allows other people to grow and to feel more connected and more accepted. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being that kind of person. Yeah, well, thank you. (laughs) This has been wonderful. And I I love that question. I loved, you know, thinking about what three words I would use to describe vulnerability. I'd never thought about it, but yeah, that was wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything you are currently working on or anything you want to share with the audience before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, I guess I I just recently created a seven-day email course. Um, One Week to Body Freedom is what it's called. And a lot of it is just about learning to accept your body as it is and moving through emotions and not using food to numb yourself. Things, you know, a lot of the things that we talked about and I guess I just wanted to mention that because I think that's been helpful for a lot of people. And that's over on my website. It's totally free. Just seven days. You get it delivered straight to your inbox, which is nice. So, Ooh. Yeah. Good. I think we can post the link um, below the, the recording so that everybody can access uh-huh. it. Perfect. Fantastic. <laughs> and also the links to your social media and uh, website. What is the best way of connecting with you, Bailey? I would say probably email. I mean, I'm, I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook, but if you want to personally contact me, I would say email. That's probably the best way to communicate and we're able to have more extensive conversations, which I like. So, mm. yeah. Great, great. We're going to put your email down here. So thank you, uh-huh. Bailey. It was wonderful to reconnect uh, on my podcast. I'm really glad that you, you're here with me. And I wish you all a beautiful, beautiful rest of the day. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and if you want to listen to more of them, why don't you subscribe on iTunes or visit www.melissapanero.com Sending you deep 